Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Monday. It's the 10th of April, 2023. It has been a hot minute since I have put out a show, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. First, I'd like to say thanks for sticking with me. And if you would like to contact me and berate me for not putting out a show for so long, there are a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can either write in an email or you can record your own audio and I'll get those out on the show for you. The place to send those is firearmscafe at protonmail, dot com. Again, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. If you go over to the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find all my social media stuff. You'll also find a PayPal donation button there. And if you ever wanted to support the show on a financial level, you could do that. If you wanted to support the show on a level that is not financial, just go ahead and share it with your friends. Uh, Share it on any social media platforms that you have. All right. So like I said, it's been a hot minute since I have put out a show. Part of that is my family... We own a rental house and we own it kind of in conjunction with my mother-in-law. And I'll, I can go into the story. Actually, if you want to know the stories of that and kind of the backstory of all that stuff, I'm going to be putting a video series out on both my Rumble channel, which is the squeaky wheel over at Rumble, and in my YouTube channel, which is Every Blade of Grass. And so those will be on on both sites and you can check those things out but anyway that's what's been occupying the majority of my time these last probably oh three and a half four months or so and luckily everything over there is kind of finalized so anyway let's get back into gun world the last show i did i think was in december the maybe that first week of december and i had talked about oh there's a bunch of stuff that's going on with the atf with the bruin case there's a bunch of stuff that is going on with a lot of these Senate races. And I, I said, well, I'm going to wait probably a couple of weeks and, and after that, and then we'll be able to see if there's any uh, runoffs or, or any um, maybe controversy or if they're trying to wait for certification on stuff, especially with the runoff election that was going to, that was being held in Georgia. Well, of course it's been four months and we all know that Herschel Walker lost and, we know sort of the makeup of the Senate and also of the House, so they kind of flipped um, in the House at least. You have a more of a Republican majority. And it, it's like I say, what are the Republicans going to do for us in gun world? And the answer is not a whole lot. They It seems like that they are somewhat pushing back. I think that they they have seen, much like the Democrats have seen, they've seen an exodus I, from the party, and they're also seeing that there are changes in states like Arizona, in states, you know, uh, in the past, you know, you would say like Utah, um, Texas, some of these other places would generally be more considered to be red states or more conservative states. And what we're kind of seeing is that those things are changing. If you look in Arizona, we have a newly, somewhat newly elected congressman which is mark kelly and he had it was uh had done a runoff to to um fill fill the spot that john mccain left 
So he won his bid basically for re-election. So we're stuck with him for six years. We have Kirsten Cinema, and oh, and by the way, of course, Kelly is rabid anti-gun, and he's never going to go against the Democratic Party. He'll do whatever they tell him. We also have Kirsten Cinema. Now she ran as a Democrat. She always touted herself as sort of a moderate or almost like an independent Democrat. And now, uh, a few months ago, she had made the announcement, oh, I'm not going to be a Democrat anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an independent. Now, I had heard a radio interview with her on one of the local channels out here in Arizona. And she talked about how, oh, I'm, I've always been sort of independent-minded and this, that, and the other thing. And then she talked about the filibuster stuff and how she didn't, you know, she wasn't going to go along with that. She also kind of gave some pushback to the party when it came to taxes and things like that. A lot of this stuff, you know, you have to understand and you have to look at when the Democrats have made like a foothold, especially into a place like Arizona, they're not going to want to relinquish that anytime soon. And so what they may do, what we may see on certain key issues, especially if it's an issue where they know that they're going to lose or more importantly, let's say that they have the votes and it's going to go through, but they know it's going to help maybe Mark Kelly to let him vote no on something like maybe some like tax thing or something that would affect people in Arizona negatively. And they know, oh, we're going to lose this anyway. So, yeah, you can go ahead and just vote no. And it'll help you later on in your reelection bid, you know, five years from now. So anyway. Cinema has changed into an independent. And one of the things, and I don't remember if I had talked to this uh, back in December. I don't know if it had happened yet or if this was just something that I'd kind of thought about talking with you guys about. Anyway, so Cinema is an independent. So in theory, there are now three independents. You have Bernie Sanders, Cinema, and there was this guy, I think his name was Angus King, K I N G, King. I think that's his name. I could be wrong. And I think he was out of, was it Maine? I think. But anyway, the interesting thing is, I don't know why they even have a different term independent. I, it, I, it doesn't really, I don't even know if it means anything. Granted, they're, they're not technically in the party, but they caucus with the Democrats. The Democrats fundraise and give money to them because 99.9% of the time they vote with them, right? They, you know, so yeah, in theory, you know, what we, what we should have is there should, if the independents were truly independent, you would actually have, I believe like a Republican majority, if, if that's right, but they're not. So they, they always count with, with the Democrats. So what that means for us out here in Arizona is Arizona and this you know goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about Arizona right now is sort of considered a a blue state you know our governor is a democrat our two senators are democrats um so you have some of sort of the major players who have kind of a lot of political power are in the democrat party our our governor is Hobbs now we've had a democrat governor before in Arizona I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of it is going to depend on uh, when what's going to happen in these next elections, what will happen in the Senate, what will happen, you know, with all these different kind of things that are going to come up in 2020 in the 2024 election. So we'll have to see on that type of stuff. So anyway, oh, and that's that's well, 
So here's an interesting thing, and this could mean a change in Arizona. One of the things that the interviewers asked Cinema, and this is, uh, you know, this is, doesn't take any great political thought to come up with this, but what they asked her is they said, look, if you are now saying that you're an independent, does that give you sort of a little bit of, oh, political insurance or a little bit of political influence with the Democratic Party? Because what you can say is, look, if you want to keep the balance of power in the Senate, you know that 99.9% of the time I'm going to vote with you guys. Our interests basically align. So don't primary anybody in my state or you and you can't stop anybody from running as a Democrat. So, you know, if you have some uh, current political figures and they want to run, they're going to do it. What she would be able to say is don't give them any money, don't back them. And in fact, kind of back me, because if you don't, there's a ton of people in Arizona that like me. And you have a lot of people that are Democrats. You have a lot of people that are independents. And you have quite a few people that are Republicans who like some of the stuff that she's done. And that would be, you know, they would probably be considered more centrist. And so she's saying those people aren't going to abandon me for some person who's far left. So if you want to kind of maintain a little bit of edge in the, in the power scale, don't get rid of me. Or don't go, you know, don't really back somebody, you know, you can kind of back them, but make sure, you know, you're not really putting the full weight of the party behind me. Because if you don't, again, if you don't get behind me, what's going to happen is you're going to have a split. You're going to have people that are just only going to vote Democrat no matter what. They're going to see her as a traitor. And then you're going to have, so you're going to have whoever she's running against, so whoever they're going to come up with in the primary. And then you would then have her as an independent, and then you're going to have the the Republicans, whoever comes out of the wash in the Republican Party. And what she's saying is if you, if you split the vote between me and these other people, it may give the Republicans enough. So that would be sort of the, the thing. And I'm hoping actually that's what's happened, what, or that's what will happen, because what I'd like to see is a pro-gun Republican guy come in, because right now we have two very anti-gun people in um, in the Senate. If you were going to grade Kelly, you'd give him an F minus. If you were going to grade Cinema, you'd probably give her an F plus. If you know if that, if that really at this point makes a difference. Anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about the ATF and kind of a lot of the stuff that's been going on. So from the last show back in December, there were a ton of lawsuits that were being brought, and a lot of times. You have several different parties that are out in different regions that are going into these different circuit courts, and they're challenging things like magazine capacity restrictions. They're challenging things like, oh, like the bump stocks. They're challenging things like frames and receivers. You know what actually classifies that? One of the latest things, and one of the things that we're actually kind of looking at, and everybody's sort of holding with bated breath, and we'll talk about this kind of in depth, I guess. Uh, going forward, but that is the pistol brace thing. And uh, there was, oh, a few days ago, one of the lawsuits was, that was seeking an injunction against the ATF saying, look, you can't, you guys can't just arbitrarily do this stuff, which is saying that if you're in possession of the, of a pistol brace, basically you, you have, uh, 
constructive, what do they call it? Intent and constructive. I don't think it's proximity, but it's like ability, that type of stuff. So uh, there was a, and I forget the judge's name, but you guys can look all this stuff up. But, and again, this stuff is going to change. It's going to ebb and flow and ebb and flow. And it may take a few, a couple of years before all this stuff is actually ironed out. What I think is probably going to happen is that the ATF will probably lose on that. And what they, what they may say is if you are there, well, there's a couple of things. So what they may say is, look, you can't, you can't all of a sudden just tell people that they can't have these and you can't change it sort of overnight and you can't have these. Oh, you would say they would, they would, they would be almost, they would be unconstitutional punishments because it would be almost like a you would look at it as a cruel and unusual punishment, which I think is what, is that the Fifth Amendment? So the part of the Fifth Amendment that I wanted to read to you, and it also ties in with the Eighth Amendment. So I'll read you the uh, Fifth Amendment. We'll just read the whole thing in total. It says, No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor shall any person be sub, excuse me, subject, there we go, for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life, limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be witness against himself, and that's sort of the thing that applies to us here, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. And then, well, let's talk about that. And then we'll talk about sort of uh, what the eighth amendment has to say. People were saying, well, it would, it would, it would be a trap. Like if you have to send in pictures of your braced pistol and they're saying, well, if you didn't meet the deadline, da, 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 da. And so now you have to turn yourself in, da, da, da. So it's kind of that idea of you can't be compelled to be a witness against yourself. And that's in, in some ways what they, what you would be doing if you had to send in basically pictures or evidence of here's this thing that you now say is illegal. And I have, and you're, even though you're telling me I can get an amnesty in theory, if they, if they wanted to, I, and here's the thing, I don't think they would, but in theory, if they wanted to, if you didn't, um, didn't meet the deadline with your, with your pistol brace stuff, meaning that you didn't turn the stuff in, you didn't read, try and get it registered, or you didn't take the brace off and destroy it. Or if you keep it, you have to make it inoperable. So you would have to, I don't know, I'll, I'll, like on these plastic things, maybe you would have to like cut out a piece of the plastic to where it just actually wouldn't sit on, on your, on the buffer tube. I, I don't know exactly, but if you were doing the thing where you're going to say, well, I'll send you a picture of everything. And does this meet the criteria again? Are you at that, at that point, are you being compelled by the government because you're afraid of being prosecuted? And you would say, well, I'm being unjustly prosecuted and, and I'm not getting any due process. They're just say I'm automatically a felon. So I've been found guilty before I've ever had a day in court. Uh, so, and then the eighth amendment says excessive bail, shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed nor cruel or unusual punishment inflicted. So let's read that again since I flubbed it up. So the Eighth Amendment says excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed 
nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. So I would think that if you were a person and the only thing that you had that they could actually quote-unquote legitimately prosecute you on was that you had a braced pistol, which for the last 10 years they've said, well, that's fine, it's perfectly legal, it it doesn't turn this thing into a short barrel rifle. And you're like, okay, well, I'm golden, especially after that that 10-year mark. Is a fine of up to $250,000 and up to 10 years imprisonment in federal prison for each infraction or firearms infraction. So in theory, I suppose what they could say is let's say that you had a pistol, you had one pistol brace and you had two or three different uppers. So let's say you had a couple that were 5.56, five, maybe you have one that is uh, a 9mm or a 10mm, and then you had one that was like a 300 blackout. So you have those uppers. I think, in theory, what they could say is under ability to construct, or and, and, and those would all be under, those uppers would all be under, 16 inches in length. So let's say if you had, you know, a nine and a half or a 10 inch 300 blackout, you had two 14 inch uh, 556, you had one nine millimeter upper, and you had like the endo mags that could, so you don't really have to, you know, do a whole lot of converting and stuff. You just change out the bolt, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, that's what the nine millimeter is going to have. I kind of digress, but anyway, stick with me. So in theory, because what, what they could say is, and I think they could interpret it this way, they could say, well, you have four uppers, right? You have a 9 millimeter, you have a, you have a, a 300, and then you have two uh, 5.56 uppers that are all under 16 inches in length. And so each one of those uppers can constitute a different short-barreled rifle. Or are they just going to go off of your, your one lower that's a pistol lower? You know, I, I don't know, but let's say that they, they say it, oh, it's that way. So they could give you 10 years for each upper. So you could be looking at quite possibly 10 years for the, each upper, and then maybe another 10 years for your lower that has the, for the brace. So 50 years in federal prison. And then the question that would be asked would be if you've, if you've done nothing else, you've never had any other record. And even if you did, would up to 50 years and maybe what two is it two hundred and fifty thousand dollars so one million two hundred and fifty thousand dollars if they do it per per infraction is that a just punishment or is that cruel and unusual punishment that the government is doing to basically get you to bend to their will to basically get you to oh what's the word i'm looking for to surrender your rights that are the right to self-defense and the right to choose how you're going to defend yourself, that you surrender those to the government because you're afraid of the punishment, because the the punishment is so out of the realm of what would be considered just. Even if they were going to say, well, we're going to, we're, we're, you're going to face zero prison time, but we're going to fine you. And if you want to fight us, we'll push those maximum fines. So not only are you probably going to have to pay those fines, you're also going to have to pay for your own defense. Well, most people in America cannot afford a $250,000 fine. It would, it would bankrupt them. 
you know, if a guy had a house or something, maybe he's got to sell his house to do it. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's got to give up his sign over his pension to pay the stuff back. You know, you know, I don't know. Maybe that guy has to, again, lose everything. So again, does that punishment fit the crime? In theory, you could probably say, well, we're going to, if, if in, in the ultimate thing, let's say it washes out and it doesn't go our favor. And it's a thing where they say, well, you do have to register these. And what we're going to do is we're going to charge you, not only do you have to pay the tax, but we're also going to pay you a fine of another hundred bucks for each one of these things. And we know that you have it and you have to do it by a certain thing. And if you don't do it, or if you don't destroy it, blah, 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 you know, this, that, and the other thing. So it's, so I think eventually what's going to happen is that it will be, the ATF is is going to be able to have jurisdiction over that stuff, but they're not going to be able to say we're reversing this and we're doing all this other stuff on pistol braces. What I would like to see and what I don't, and it may happen if it goes to the Supreme Court, what the Supreme Court may say is, look, you can't just willy-nilly say this is a short barrel rifle and this is a pistol and this is not, and this, you have to have sort of a consistent standard. And I've talked about maybe this before, but if you look at what's the average, if you take all the handguns, all the pistols, right? And you say, well, what's probably the average length of a pistol barrel? And they would, you would probably come up with something around like four or four and a half inches because you got a lot of stuff that's snub nose, you know, like two inch barrels. You've got some of the hunting revolvers that are generally going to be six, eight, maybe even 10 inches on there. So if you averaged it out though, if you took, I say, well, there's this many pistols and most of them have about a four inch barrel. So we'll just say four, four and a half inch is, if it's got that, it's going to be considered a, you know, a pistol. If it falls within this range, it's still considered a pistol. <laughs> even, even when I'm talking about this stuff now, it's so ridiculous because you know what a, what a pistol is. So you would also just say, look, if you've got a Glock or if you've got like one of the old Lugers or something like that, or you've got a, an old uh, revolver that you could clamp a stock on it and, and put it up and do it. That doesn't turn it into a rifle. It's still a pistol. Then again, that's why you would have to use sort of common sense stuff. So even if you had a uh, eight inch or a 10 inch barrel on a revolver, that's a hunting revolver, they're not going to say, oh no, that's actually a rifle because it's too long. Uh, and again, that would kind of go with the, the stuff that the ATF already says. You can have a pistol that has a 45 inch barrel on it if you want it doesn't make it a rifle right so then what they would say is okay average is probably about four four and a half so if you if we are going to keep this short barrel rifle designation then you would say anything that falls under that four and a four and a half inch if they're going to do it and make a classification that we would consider a short barrel rifle if it shoots and it would have to meet you know you'd have to Again, have common sense criteria where you would say, well, it's got what is typically a rifle upper and a rifle receiver. Even though the barrel's short, this is still, you know, we would consider anything down to probably eight inches or so would be considered. And I guess you could go six. I don't know why you would want to do a six inch thing on something like an AR or an AK. You're going to lose. You might as well just stick with a handgun at that point because um, you're going to lose so much uh, in ability to burn, you know, the powder to get effective, um, velocity and energy. You know, so it's, it's not really worth it in my opinion for that. I mean, other than maybe kind of like the novelty of the thing. 
So that's what I'd like to see. And, I, and hopefully maybe the Supreme Court will do that and say, look, if it's if the barrel, as long as it doesn't go under four or even six inches, then it's it's just a rifle. Or they may say, look, if it's got what would be commonly, like I said before, what would be commonly considered a rifle lower and a rifle upper, then it's just a rifle. Um, and, I, you know, so I don't know. And then you would have to fight. I'm sure there would be certain battles that would have to be fought. That's what I'd like to see happen. Is that going to happen? Probably not. I don't know. I think it will eventually come out on our side. I think probably what might happen is they may say the ATF can regulate it, but going forward, you know, you, anything, you know, manufactured after, you know, who knows, January of 2025, the braces, you can have them, but they have to be stamped. And if you'd have one of those with the date on it, then I guess that's going to be a short barrel rifle. It's, it's so crazy when you look at this stuff and it's such an easy problem to fix, right? You just do away with short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns. You just, you just say, well, they're gone. They're over what I am. But anyway, so I think I'd mentioned before that there was a judge who basically in denied the injunction on the ATF doing this. And what he basically said was it's a kind of simplify it in the, in, to the, to the easiest terms. He basically said, look, based on what, how, what the arguments that you're bringing, if this does go further, I don't think you really have a likelihood of winning. And so that was kind of a step back for us, but it seems like what that judge who, who gave us a couple of other pro-gun rulings, it seems like what that judge was saying is, look, come back with better arguments. And if you can kind of prove this stuff, then yeah, then we can maybe do the injunction or get him to stop it. So I don't know. And it could be, depending on how things turn out, uh, it could be a better long-term thing that we didn't get this injunction right away. I did see a thing on, I think it was like on Rumble or something like that, where it was part of the hearings and they had this guy, some joker from the ATF, man, was he smug when they were asking him, oh, you know, did you basically, did you just change your mind and now everybody's going to be a felon? And the guy's like, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and he's like, well, what bill did Congress pass that allows you to do that? And he goes, there is no bill. And man, this watch, it just infuriated me. That guy was so smug, just some bureaucrat, you know, from the ATF. And I, again, I don't know if he was, I'm sure he was some higher up in the ATF. Uh, but of course that guy's going to get protection because he's false under the purview of the justice department, which was false under the executive branch, which is under Biden. So that nothing's going to happen to that them. And also another thing is Congress has ceded so much of their power that none of these people who would normally be sort of in theory beholden to Congress, who in theory are kind of beholden to us, they just don't care anymore. They know that they're untouchable and they know that they can pretty much, you know, do whatever they want. And a lot of this stuff, I hope it's not grandstanding, but I think a lot of it might be that's going on with a lot of these hearings and when they're dragging these people up. But again, you see this stuff over and over and over again. It used to be people would come up and they would kind of sweat a little bit and they might face some actual consequences, but none of these guys are. Even if they fire these dudes, right? They've been in in the, we'll just call it the system for so long that most of them are going to be of retirement age or they're going to ship them off somewhere else. And, you know, they're still, they'll still have their 
pension intact. They're not going to lose any. There's not going to be any consequence for them. Uh, you know, we saw that with the Fast and Furious thing under Obama. The the head guy out of I think it was the ATF office. They, I think they had him retire out, but he had I don't I can't remember. It was like six months or something. I could be wrong on the actual dates. But what they did is they let that dude, he kind of came up and he fell on his sword a little bit. Said, yeah, it was my fault, blah, blah, blah. And then so they shipped him off or they put him on vacation for like six months. And then he retired with full pension and full benefits and all that other stuff. So, you know, it's no wonder that these guys do this. But let's kind of circle back around to that thing about the Eighth Amendment. And it's the cruel and unusual punishment. So let's actually think about because a lot of times what we say is, oh, you know, they could they could give you this giant fine and they could you could be a felon overnight. And then that bad. And then we just sort of move on. But we don't really sit down and think, well, what are they actually doing and how are they treating us? As fellow citizens, do they even see us as human beings anymore? Again, so think about what you're going to have to do if they decide to go out after you and prosecute you. You're going to have to pay for your legal defense. Pray to God you've got three, dollars $400,000 to hire the attorneys that are actually going to be able to keep you out of just, just that, just to be able to keep you out of prison while your trial is going on. And then once your trial is going on, are you eventually going to say, you know, you're going to go to a, a plea deal? Hopefully you could get it down to where they're going to say like, oh, you'll serve two months at this federal facility. And, but when you, when you come out, you'll be on, you know, maybe probation for a year. And at the end of that year, you can have what they, what we used to call a, um, oh, what was it? Um, when I was working probation, there was a, it was a thing if you were, let's say, if you were charged with a felony and then you successfully completed probation and you stayed out of trouble within X amount of time, they would then reduce your, and I forget the term for it, but they would reduce your uh, conviction, I guess we could say, to a misdemeanor. And so would they do something like that? Could you work a plea deal like that? Maybe, probably not, especially if you're the first one, they're going to really want to make an example out of you. But again, here's what they're doing. And especially if they want to make an example of you, they're probably not going to allow you to put up any bail or anything like that and get out of, uh, you know, while you're not being held, while they take, you know, a couple of years for them to work to work through your case. Oh, there's delays. Oh, they weren't ready. And it's, it's just a game that they play. And they're going to wear you down. Over time, that's why, you know, think about it. How can the feds have such a high conviction rate? How can they have some? Is, is it that they're that good? Or is it that they hold all the power? You're, you're going in front of federal judges. You're, they're federal prosecutors. Hope, hopefully, your counsel that you can get is somebody that knows that system. And like I said before, hopefully you've got three, four hundred thousand dollars to pay for this defense. Otherwise, you're you're going to have to just take whatever plea deal they offer you. And again, they hold all the cards, they hold all the power, and you. It's very, very rare that you're going to beat them and get and get all the way off. And, you know, and what they would have to be charging you with would have to be so out of pocket that it's like even these federal judges in, in if, even if they're kind of, uh, oh, 
uh, like crusader judges or whatever. And so they don't feel you should have any guns anyway. But even if that person is like, nah, you can't, you know, you can't do this and we're dismissing all this stuff. But let's actually think again about what they're doing. So they're going to, especially if they're going to, if they want to lock you up during this time, they're going to take you away from your family. They are, if you're working, if you're not retired or something like that, your job is over. You're going to get fired from your job because unless you've got your own business that hopefully maybe you and your wife run and your wife can kind of keep it afloat while you're in jail. Um, Hopefully they don't seize all your assets under some weird interpretation, even though you're going there for a pistol brace. They are, uh, so they're going to take you away from your family. Are you going to be able to stay in the same state? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's, it's a, some weird thing where they got to ship you off somewhere else. And this is pre-conviction, pre-trial, pre-anything. So what are they doing? What they're doing is they're, they're dehumanizing you, right? Because what they're saying is we can just come in, swoop in on you, take something and charge you with something, a piece of plastic, basically, that the only thing you're guilty of is not doing what we tell you to do. And when you actually followed what we said was fine from before, and we're going to stick you in a cage. And if we do convict you, we're going to, we then control everything. We, once you're convicted, and even if, even if you're not convicted and you're in, in a holding pattern with them, they control what you eat. They control where you sleep, they control who you're going to associate with, they control your access to any type of medical treatment. And if you've got something where like you're, uh, you've got epilepsy or you've got other, just say even problems with aging, maybe your glasses when you went in were fine, but now your prescription is all messed up and you can't really see, you can't really read. And they're just like, eh, you know, we'll get around to it. So what things do we as humans treat like that? And basically, it's animals, right? So at best, you're going to get treated like a like a favored pet, right? So people will spend money on their pets. People make sure that their pets have, you know, really good food. People make sure that, or they, the best food that they can get them. People will make sure that their pets have good medical care. But I don't think that's how the government's going to treat you. I think what you're going to get treated is more like livestock or cattle. So cattle are pinned up. Cattle don't make decisions on where they go. Cattle don't get to have decisions on what they eat. Cattle don't get to have decisions on what kind of medicine they're going to get. Cattle don't get to have a say on whether they get out in a pasture or just held in a pen. Cattle don't get to decide, oh, I want to stay here in Montana. I don't want to be shipped off down to Arizona. Well, you're not going to get to decide that. So the government, you know, for the most part, I think, and especially in stuff like that, really sees us as, oh, they're basically our property, meaning you and I. And if you step out of line, you know, if you're a cow and you keep, you keep getting out of the fence, right? You keep wandering out of the pasture. You keep getting out of your pen. What are we going to do? We're going to say, you know what? You're too much trouble. Yeah, we milk you for tax money and you know, you're a useful thing when it comes time for you to go to this to the to the to the great voting booth and moo your choice. But we don't really need you. We don't so we're just gonna we're gonna slaughter you. Basically we're gonna shove you off in here and we're gonna use you for something else. So it's it's extremely frustrating, especially because that that's what I was doing the other day. I was thinking, well what you know, 
I shouldn't just gloss over this stuff. I should actually kind of sit down and think what is happening? What are they treating you like? And under the Constitution, is anything in the like the in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights is anything being violated? And I would say, especially under the Eighth, for, for again, for what you would be being charged with, the amount of punishment and chaos and the amount of ruin that becomes your life over again, it's a piece of plastic that they said you could have. It's not that you went in and, and you you stole this thing or you killed somebody to get it or anything like that. It was something that you bought legally. And again, so there's I'm, there's a lot of people, I'm sure, that have bought braces at gun shows. There's a lot of people who have brought, excuse me, bought braces online through like Brownells or Midway. Are those companies going to cave and give in and say, well, we want to see your records? Even if they don't, if you bought it, let's say with a credit card, is your credit card, they got, look, they got all that stuff. It's, you know, they can say, well, here's a transaction for this amount on this date. And we, this, this is probably a pistol brace, you know, with the, with, we, we can look historically and see what the prices were. Da, 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 da. Even if you're saying, well, I never bought, I never went down to my local gun store and I never bought a, you know, a honey badger or whatever they used to call it, like from that Q company, or I never bought a, uh, CMMG nine millimeter or ten millimeter or you know five five six with a pistol that came with a pistol brace. So there's there's really no record of me. I, again, if they if the government wants to turn its eye on you and put you under the microscope, you you've got no chance. And that unfortunately is the reality of it. Again, we have to go back to that question of well, how do they have such a high conviction rate? They hold all the cards. When push comes to shove. A, a place like Visa or MasterCard, they're not going to be shut down for you. And realistically, probably a place like Brownells or Midway is probably not going to be shut down for you because even if they say, we're not going to do it, we're not going to do it, the feds will just send ATF in and they'll just raid their records. So, or they'll say, well, okay, if you don't, we're shutting you down. And then, you know, so I, I don't know. Anyway, let me know. I would love to hear what you guys think. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a quick email or record some audio and let me know. So anyway, I think that is going to about do it for today. Uh, maybe we'll kind of draw to a close again with, I think long term it will work out for us. Again, it may take three, four years for all this stuff to kind of come out in the wash. From what I have seen with some of these recent rulings, it seems like a lot of this stuff is going to be ruled unconstitutional and it's just going to take sort of the right set of circumstances. Uh, but don't look for anything to come from the Republican side of the aisle down in the house. Cause it's not going to go anywhere. Even if it, if it made it through the house and it came up to the Senate and some miracle it passed in the Senate, Biden would just veto it. So it, it depends what's going to happen in the next election, who's going to run. It's also in some of these Senate seats, who's going to run. Uh, will the Republicans rest some control in the Senate? Will they maintain control in the House? And then once they do that, will they have the, not even willpower, will they have even the desire to say, you know what, we need to rein in some of these agencies and let's do it now while we have some power. You know, I, I don't know. 
Uh, again, let me know what you think. You can send emails or, or uh, audio files to firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. I hope to hear from you, and I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>